Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And in today's Bible study, we're going to be studying biblical hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is often a word used by seminarians, pastors, theologians, and intellectuals. But what on earth does it mean? Though hermeneutics as a study is an incredibly complicated subject, the definition of hermeneutics is not. As a simple definition, biblical hermeneutics is the science of interpretation of the Bible and the methods that it, of that interpretation. As the methods of study of an ancient inspired text written over the span of over 1,500 years in multiple languages by dozens of authors from three continents, biblical hermeneutics is understandably a difficult topic. So let's explore some of the interesting facts about hermeneutics. What is the study of hermeneutics? The word hermeneutics comes from the Greek word or Greek root meaning interpreter or interpret. Thus hermeneutics is an interpretation. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines hermeneutics as the study of the metho- of the methodical principles of interpretation as of the Bible and a method or principle of interpretation. Hermeneutics in general does not necessarily have to refer to biblical studies, but could be an interpretation of another story, of a text, etc., However, the word is most often used in relation to the Bible. And one might call hermeneutics a code of interpretation or a specific interpretive lens. Biblical hermeneutics hermeneutics is about the approaches of looking at the Bible and interpreting what it means. So there are many ways of looking at the Bible and interpreting it thus leading to multiple hermeneutic approaches. So, what is the purpose of hermeneutics? The ultimate goal of hermeneutics is to discover the truths and the values in the Bible and what the text truly means. In reality, everyone who approaches the Bible is engaging with a hermeneutic taking in what it says and making sense of it through their own personal hermeneutic lens. The goal of hermeneutics is, as a study, however, is not to look at the Bible with a subjective or tainted lens, as a person might do approaching the Bible on their own, but to try to discern what the intended meaning of the passage is, whether for readers at the time it was written or for us today. So with no context or just a cursory glance, many biblical passages can be incorrectly interpreted and may be taken in potentially harmful ways. So the purpose of hermeneutics is to discover what God wants us to take away. Now, what is the difference about exegesis, esegesis, and hermeneutics. So we find that exegesis and hermeneutics sometimes 
it felt like my Bible professors used these two words interchangeably. And honestly, there's a very fine line between them. And the simplest explanation of the difference is that exegesis is the act of studying a passage critically and objectively and interpreting the meaning, while hermeneutics is the study of the principles by which the passage is to be interpreted. Now, neither hermeneutics nor exegesis, however, should be confused with eisegesis. Whereas someone in, engaged in exegetical studies comes to the conclusion based on careful, objective analysis of a text, someone who engages in eisegesis approaches the text with the preconceived ideas and attempts to find passages and interpret the text in a way that will support those claims. Now, taken out of context, it's possibly or it's possible to justify many terrible things with biblical passages. The Bible contains records of both good and evil deeds and people after all. So it's easy to completely miss the point of a passage. For example, in Philippians 4.13, which is plastered on sports lockers and inspirational posters as a promise of invincibility to Christians, instead of being used as an example of faith, enduring all trials. What is the origin and history of hermeneutics? Biblical hermeneutics takes place within the Bible itself. So the authors of the Psalms and the prophets often looked back to the books of the law and incorporated their own understandings. Different biblical hermeneutics led to the notorious religious factions that Jesus dealt with in the Gospels. For example, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. These groups differed in their interpretation of the laws, teaching on issues such as the afterlife, proper sacrifice, and the study of the law itself. So as noted, as noted above, Biblical hermeneutics were in effect even in the time of the psalmists and the prophets and continued with various Jewish, Jewish sects, sects up to the time of Jesus. Now, the history of hermeneutics, hermeneutical debates, and hermeneutical approaches is so complex that it may be more practical to outline the four major hermeneutical branches that arose. So number one, literal interpretation. This is the most prominent in, any, in, in Protestant circles. However, it has a long history. Literal interpretation was championed by, among others, Jerome in the 4th century, Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century, Martin Luther in the 15th and 16th century, and John Calvin in the 16th century. This approach interprets the text according to its plain or its literal meaning, according to grammatical construction, historical context, and the intention of the author. Then we have moral interpretation. This strove to derive ethical lessons from the different parts of the Bible. So, for example, a document called The Letter of Barnabas, 
who's one of my favorite apostles in the Bible, the Apostle Barnabas. Dating from around the turn of the second century, employed this approach to interpret the Levitical dietary laws not as forbidding eating the flesh of certain animals, but rather as forbidden, forbidding certain vices associated with these animals. And number three, we have the allegorical interpretation. This interprets the Bible as having a second level of meaning beyond the actual people, places, and events mentioned. Clement of Alexandria and Origen were two adherents of this approach, although Origen embraced a threefold approach to scriptural to scripture as literal, moral, and spiritual allegorical. As is evident from origin, multiple types of hermeneutics can be synthesized. And number four, analogical or mystical interpretation. The analogical approach was more typical of the Jewish study than Christianity, and this approach interprets the Bible events as prefigures of the afterlife. Now, what kinds of hermeneutics are there? Today, we find that there are many kinds of hermeneutics, and many of them can be used in tandem. And each emphasizes different approaches to Scripture. Some focus on approaching the Bible from a historical or an archaeological standpoint, while others see the meaning of the Bible as shifting and adapting with the culture. A hermeneutic approach depends on the goal in mind. As Dr. Ellen White writes for the Biblical Archaeology Society, these methodologies range from historical critical to post-colonial to rhetorical to cultural critical to ecological to canical critical. So, for example, if you want to understand how Moses' life and the wilderness differed from daily life in the ancient Levant, you would use the, an archaeological, anthropological hermeneutic. However, if you want to understand the gender politics between Miriam and Moses in the wilderness, you would use a feminist or a womanist approach to the text. Different hermeneutical approaches can sometimes lead to wildly different interpretations. And this is why even among noted theologians, and perhaps especially here, there is a wide variety of opinion and teaching. Now, how do I engage in hermeneutics? Well, friends, we all use some sort of hermeneutics when we approach the Bible text, the biblical text. And the question is, are we using a good hermeneutic? So there are three guidelines that will generally contribute to a healthy approach. The first guideline is to assume that the Bible in general says what it means. That is, the Bible is generally to be interpreted literally, taking the plain meaning of the passage over a more complicated esoteric interpretation, unless it's obviously meant to be symbolic or a figure of speech. The second tip is that it's to consider the passage in context. What was the historical context? Who wrote it? Who were they writing to, if anyone? 
why were they writing this this passage and what was the cultural context what was going on at the time and finally it's it's essential to interpret the passage within the context of the bible itself what verses precede and follow the passage what is the passage as a whole about what is the book about what about the book is it a reference is is it a referencing a different part of scripture so these are the things that we need to consider now dr dane c ortland of crossway offers four more tips dr ortland offers the first one read with the assumption that scripture is coherent if it is inspired by god and and inerrant then there are no defects thus if something doesn't make sense or seems contradictory it is due to faulty understanding or a lack of context not biblical error and probably requires a little bit more research i have to agree with that secondly read any text with an awareness of where it fits within the broader biblical story dr ortland compares reading a passage out of context to suddenly picking up a novel in the middle third dr orlin advises reading the bible through the lens of jesus amen and jesus said that the old testament all points to him as we find that in luke 24 verse 27 luke 24 verse 44 john 5 verse 39 john 5 verse 46 and the gospels are obviously about jesus and the rest of the new testament points back to him thus the entire bible points to jesus and it should be understood through the coming the arrival the redemption and the restoration of christ amen and finally, Dr. Orlin urges readers to approach the Bible prayerfully, asking God for wisdom. And you know, friends, I'm going to add a little bit to what Dr. Orlin just said. Wisdom is one of the few things that we have to ask for. And if you read the story of Solomon, you'll see that he asked the Lord not for riches, he asked the Lord to give him wisdom. And we should be asking the Lord to give us wisdom. Amen. That's one of the few things that we need to ask the Lord. And when it comes to studying the Bible, friends, I can't encourage you more. I, I can't encourage you to ask the Lord to open your understanding of the Bible. Firstly, I would say... Find yourself a Bible that you can read and understand. I'm not trying to be condescending. But there's a lot of different Bibles out there. Find one that you most associate with. And then ask the Lord before you start reading scriptures to open your understanding. And ask him to give you the ability to remember the scriptures. And friends... Being 
And teaching like Jesus means that we're humble. So we apply the word to ourselves first and then to others. Because what's good for them is good for us. We're all the same. Amen. And friends, I want to I wanna ask you, do you have Jesus in your life? Would you like to have Jesus in your life? Would you like to be able to get into the Word of God and and study more of the biblical hermeneutics that we just talked about? And I want you to think of this for a second, if you would, please. Just picture yourself when you extend your hand out to greet someone and the person just walks by and doesn't acknowledge you. And think about Jesus who's been extending his hand out to you for days and months and years and you've just walked by him and you've never accepted his hand. But you know, we serve such a gracious and merciful God that he's ready to forgive you. He's ready to forgive all of your sins. He wants to be a part of your life. Friends, if you are listening to me and you're in jail or you are in a mansion or wherever you are, God wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be the part of the puzzle that's missing. But you know, he doesn't force himself on anybody. And Christianity, the difference with Christianity and other religions is that you have a relationship with Christ. You talk straight to God and he talks straight to you. But in order for it to be a relationship, it can only be a relationship if you want him in your life. And you hold the answer to that, my friends. But if you would like to have Jesus in your life, I'm going to say a prayer and you are more than welcome to say it with me and this day bring Jesus into your life Heavenly Father I come before you I repent of all of my sins this day my Lord I want to take your hand I want to make you my Lord and my Savior I want to thank you for the sacrifice that you made for me in Calvary from this day forward, my Lord, please hold on to me. Help me, Lord. Lord, you know where I am today. You know that I feel helpless, that I feel hopeless. Be that hope in my life. Help me through these tough times. Please hold on to my hand and love me and guide me and speak to me. And thank you, Father, for all that you've done for me. In Jesus' name. And friends, if you said that prayer, I do believe that you were born again. I encourage you to find a good Bible preaching and teaching church. Take copious notes of your weekly Bible studies, of your Sunday school Bible studies, of your sermons. And remember... Before you start delving into those studies, 
Ask the Lord to give you understanding, and he will. And you know what, friend? You're going to grow in Christ, and you're going to win many souls for his kingdom. Amen? I always close out all of my podcasts, and I remember the late pastor, John H. Osteen. And I remember him because my wife and I would always watch Pastor Osteen, uh, I believe it was Sunday nights, and we would always make it a point to see his sermon, and he would always close out with the best phrase, man, I've ever heard. God bless him. And he would close out every TV podcast or broadcast with this phrase. Friends, keep Jesus first place in your life and he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. Friends, thank you for your time and for the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. And I really will look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast. May his blessings be upon you and yours today and always. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, friends.